You are now listening to the Flurry Podcast, hosted by Marquise Rawls. Another episode of the Flurry Podcast, and this weekend was a doozy of a weekend with four big fights coming out on Friday and Saturday, and I was excited for them all. One of the fights, the Usyk versus Derek Chisora, I didn't finish it. Uh, this is Sunday, the day right after it came out. I will finish it probably later on uh tonight or probably monday night i will finish it and talk about that next week uh the jaime mugia fight i will also talk about that next week and as well the jason maloney versus uh nui i will talk about that next week as well but this episode i am focusing on the pay-per-view fight with Leo Santa Cruz versus Javante Tank Davis and that entire card was phenomenal the entire card was phenomenal and great, and it was well worth every single goddamn penny spent on it. So the first fight, Diego Magdaleno, well-known guy. Well, not like superstar status well-known, but he's a known guy. Known vet, good fighter. Not really good, but he, he's good enough to put on an entertaining performance. Really tough. Fights the young 22-year-old Isaac Cruz, or is it Isaac? Is it? But Cruz, 22-year-old Cruz, and Cruz said, get this old fuck out of the ring with me. I'm young, it's my time, your time's over, and Cruz wasted no time. As soon as the bell rung, he went all up in Magdaleno's face, got him in the corner, got him on the ropes, and just started throwing bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb. He was looking like Al-Qaeda out there. He was throwing bombs and missiles from every single direction, and they were landing. They were landing with precision and force, and he got Magdalena out of there in one minute. One minute. What more can you ask for to start a pay-per-view event with a one-minute knockout by a 22-year-old young power-punching boxer who fights a vet like Magdaleno and gets him out of there in one minute. Man, these young boxers, they are ushering a new era of the power punching boxer. They are ushering in this new era. And it's not like Cruz, he just came in and just started swinging. Nah, he had a little finesse with his punches. It took some skill to get Magdaleno on the ropes that early in the beginning of the fight. And then he just started throwing these crazy accurate punches and got him the fuck out of there i was thoroughly impressed i think that fight is in uh the 135 division so he got he got some good fights coming towards him because that was a great performance on a fantastic card i'm happy that happened then the second fight of this pay-per-view event was regis progre i forgot the guy that he fought i forget his name so sorry to that young man I forget your name. But Regis Progate came into the fight coming off that amazing performance against Josh Taylor, which I think was the true fight of the year. But, you know, people have their other opinions. I respect it. But Progate comes in and says, I am the guy. I can't get hurt. He actually said that in the event. In the post-fight interview, he said, I can't get hurt. This guy thinks he's untouchable. He thinks he's invincible. Well, not untouchable. He could get touched. He was getting touched in this fight. 
but he thinks he is invincible. And right now, I kind of believe it. When Josh Taylor fought him, Josh Taylor was landing a lot of powerful shots, and he was still coming at Josh Taylor. This guy, who he just fought last night, he was throwing some good shots, and he was still coming at him. And he just kept walking through his jab. He kept walking through his hook. Well, he was more so slipping those hooks, and those hooks, they were a little lackluster in power. Um, that the other guy was throwing, I will say, but he had a he had a pretty decent jab that he was trying to use to establish the pace of the fight. But I don't think he didn't prepare for Josh Taylor to just walk through everything and come in and uh, start landing a couple body shots. Then he just he just put a target right on the side of this guy's head, and he was throwing and he was landing. And this guy he just wasn't ready for it. This fight was. A very one-sided fight. Uh, I think it ended in round three or four. I believe it was three. Progray got him the fuck out of there. It was another great performance. This whole card was, besides the main event, which I'm going to get into soon, this entire card was the performance of the elite type of people who are just, they are just obliterating good fighters. Not great fighters, but good fighters. This guy that progressed for, from what I've seen in the very few rounds that he lasted, he got some skill. He got some ability to do something in the ring. But when you fight and reach Progre, who he's still the second best fighter at 140, like you fighting the upper echelon of, of, of the 140 pound division, it's you got to come different. You got to like come ready to kill, ready to die in the ring when you're fighting him. And this guy. He just wasn't ready for it. So he got out of there around three Regis Prograde. He wasn't even that excited for the fight. He said, you know, this this is nothing. You know, that I do this stuff on a regular in, in, in training camp. This is nothing. Like, come on. Amazing fight. Uh, another great fight for the pay-per-view event. Is off to a fantastic start. And it continues to have a fantastic journey as the third fight comes on. The third fight... Mario Barrios against Carl and not Rick's son from Walking Dead, Carl. Carl! I felt like that's what his trainer should have been calling when he was getting beat up, when he was taking too many body shots, and when he was getting wobbled and stumbling around the ring. They should have just started screaming, Carl! Carl! Mario Barrios was really just showing that he he's just too good. Like how Regis Progray was doing, he just showed that he's on another level. Mario Barrios, he was doing the same thing, showing this guy Carl that I am on another level that you cannot compete at. And Carl was doing some good things. He landed a lot of good shots. Once again, he tried to use his jab to establish and 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 set some traps up. But Mario Barrios, he's too technical. It has too high of an IQ. To fall for your your minuscule traps and your minuscule strategy, you gotta come. Like I said, with the guy against um in the last fight, you gotta come ready to kill and ready to die in the ring to defeat these type of fighters. It's it's literally just the mindset. And yes, you gotta have the skill. And this guy, Carl, he he had some skill. I saw he had the skill. He had decent footwork. He 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 was pretty accurate with. With his punches, he landed a pretty good amount of punches. 
So it's not like he was just a walking punching bag. No, he had some offense and he had a little bit of defense, but a little bit of defense doesn't matter if you're fighting someone as good as Barrios. You need to have, you just need to be an all-around fighter, basically. You need to have more tools in your arsenal and you just need to just have a lot more stuff. And this guy, Mario Barrios, he he was slipping, he's slipping the jab and coming in and countering with the right. Then he counters with the left. Then he throws a hook and a jab. Like he he was throwing everything. And and they was landing. Clean. And then he throwing a body shot. Yo, when I say he was ripping on those body shots, them body shots was some hard, dangerous body shots. And it definitely slowed down Carl. I felt them and I'm at my house watching it. I felt those body shots. I was crunching over like, oh man, like Mario Bart, like he, he, why he doing this for? Why he's this aggressive for? For no reason. Like, nah, it, he, he was throwing them body shots like, like Carl said, fucking mother type shit. And Carl, he, he lasted as long as he could, but he went down. And once Mario Bars, once he smells that blood, once he smells blood and, and he smells the fear in your heart, and once he senses, Oh, uh, no, nah, he's ready to get out of here. He gets you the fuck out of there. And that's exactly what he did. He got him the fuck out of there. And I was thoroughly impressed, man. Mario Barrios, him and Regis Progre, they need to fight each other. They need to fight each other. And yes, I just said that Progre is the second best fighter at 140. But I think Mario Barrios, I, I think he's top five. Or at least, at least like top seven. At least top seven. You know, I'll stretch it to top eight. I'll stretch it to top eight, okay? All right? You're happy now? Top eight, okay? Everyone's satisfied. No crying and bitching about it, okay? But they need to fight each other. That would definitely be one of the great fights of 2021 that can happen. Uh, that would definitely, definitely be one of the big, big fights at 140. And the winner of that fight should get a chance to fight the winner of Josh Taylor versus Ramirez. I'm saying it right now. If Josh Taylor versus Ramirez happens and then Prograve versus um, Barrios happens, the winner of each fight have to fight each other and the losers, you got to fight each other too. Unless if Josh Taylor lose and Prograve lose. If if both of them lose, you know, they could fight each other too. I would love to see a rematch of that. But, woo, Mario Bars and Prograve, Fantastic fighters. I love both of them. Fantastic. Now that I got out, I got that out, out the way, I didn't want to get into too much details because there wasn't really much details about this fight. It The fights were like really one-sided. But that's sort of what, what made the fight so great because the person I want to see win actually won. Um, I've been on a streak of, of jinxing um, some of these big-name fighters in big fights. I said that Lomachenko was going to win against Tiafimo Lopez kind of easy, and I was obviously wrong. In one episode of the Floyd Podcast, I did say that Leo Santa Cruz was going to beat Javante Davis um, in a unanimous decision because he's just going to have more endurance, he's going to have better conditioning, and he's not going to tire out, and he's actually going to fight tall, which he rarely does. But I thought he was going to fight tall 
because he would have felt the power of Javante Davis. And um, I was wrong. Uh, this fight, fantastic fight. Fucking lovely. It was amazing. And it was really a back and forth. Even for how brief it was, it was only six rounds, but it was a back and forth. So first, I'm going to give my scoring of the fight, even though it was a knockout. You kind of can't score a knockout, but I'm going to give my scoring. First two rounds, I gave to Leo Santa Cruz. The next three, three, four, five, I gave to um, Javante Davis. I think one of those rounds was really close, but I still gave it to Davis. Uh, round six, Leo Santa Cruz was winning that round easy. He was winning that round easy until uh, Tank Davis, he did that low blow, and Leo complained about it, and the ref, you know, came and separated them. And then once... Uh, he caught time in again, and they went back. That's when it all went downhill for Leo Santa Cruz. That's when it all went downhill. And I saw, I know y'all saw what happened. It was trending. I saw the highlights on Instagram like 50 fucking times posted by different accounts. And y'all know what happened. I've, I've never seen Leo get, I've never seen Leo get knocked down legitly in the fight ever. So from never seeing him getting knocked down to just he get like lights out knocked the fuck out oh man it was it was rough seeing and I knew he wasn't gonna put no Tyson Fury or like the Undertaker just rise up from the dead and be like nah I'm I'm still here he's not gonna do that cause he he's just not that type of fighter it's not many fighters that, that can get up like how Tyson Fury did and Leo he wasn't gonna get up like that but nonetheless, let's. Uh, I'm gonna break down some of these rounds, right? Uh, round one, I don't think I really need to break that down because that was, you know, just a feel out round. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz, I think he used his jab a little bit more, so that's why I gave him uh, that round one. Uh, round two is when he started turning up a little bit, landing combinations. Uh, Tank Davis was trying to use his jab. But because Leo, he's a little taller and he got uh, longer arms, his jab was getting there first. And he started throwing a little more combination that was landing, right? Uh, round three, Leo, he kept the same pace, throwing combinations. But he was he was sort of fighting off his back foot uh, a little bit, which it's not a problem because he, he was landing here and there. But... He was still getting hit by um, Tank Davis by his jab and his body shots. And Tank Davis, he he has that type of power where if you land two punches and he lands one, he wins that exchange because his one punch is stronger than your two punches. And we all know Leo Santa Cruz, he's not a power puncher. He's not a hard puncher at all. He can land 500 punches a fight and not knock someone out. I've seen him do it before. So he's not that hard of a puncher. So round four... Uh, round four was somewhat the same as round three where Leo sort of fighting on his back foot. He was uh, pushing Davis back just a little bit. Um, no, round four is actually the round where that was the close round, actually. That was a close round where uh, Leo started pushing Davis back for like a few seconds, you know, getting his shots up. Then Davis would start pushing him back, landing shots here and there. And Davis, he was landing some bombs, too. And Leo was landing some great combinations. But like I said, 
Leo is not a power puncher, so he can land his his four or five shots, and Tank lands two, and those two shots is stronger than the five that Leo land. And Leo, he wasn't using any footwork, which he's not known for footwork. But I felt that he should have he should have worked on his footwork in this fight camp, because Davis, and people don't talk about it enough. Davis is actually he's like actually a really great boxer. Like besides all the power and everything, he's a great boxer, and he has good footwork because he works with Floyd, and Floyd has fantastic footwork. Floyd is one of the greatest all-around boxers, and he knows how to do every single thing. So you think he's not gonna teach Tank Davis how to have good footwork, how to how to use your jab effectively, even if the jab isn't landing, you can still use it as a range finder or just to to use it as to set different traps and stuff, which he was setting Leo in a bunch of traps that Leo was falling for. He was falling for it. And don't get me wrong, a lot of the shots that Davis was landing um, in like the first four rounds, the big shots, they wasn't clean shots. Leo, he got the long forearms, so he's partially blocking everything. He was like slipping and rolling with a few, but Davis, he was also rolling with a lot of those punches too. So... Uh, you combine the fact that Leo is not that hard of a puncher and that Davis is rolling with the punch. Yeah, them punches, they wasn't really doing much. Round five, I gave it to Davis because he he was going to the body again. Leo started going to the body, but once again, like, it really does suck when when you're not a hard puncher, when, when you don't have that power because that's literally the difference in the fight. If Leo had power that Javante Davis was feeling, this fight would have been completely different. 100% completely different. But literally just because, and I still think that, like even though I gave Davis uh, three rounds uh, to Leo's two, I still think Leo might be the better boxer. I came out that fight not thinking... Oh, Davis is a better boxer than him. Yes, he won the fight, but I came out of there thinking that Leo's a better boxer, but his lack of power is the reason why he couldn't do anything. He couldn't really he couldn't really do anything effective. Right? He landed a lot of punches. He landed more punches. He landed more headshots. But his lack of power was really like that's just the entire difference of the fight. Right? So round six. The infamous, the now infamous round. Um, Leo Santa Cruz comes in. He starts out a little hot. He comes in. He's throwing punches. He's throwing, what do they say, punches and bunches or bunches and punches. He, he's, whatever the hell they be saying, right? He's throwing a lot of combinations. He was just throwing and throwing and throwing. And he was landing and landing and landing. And he was actually like pushing Davis back for almost the entire first like two minutes of the round he was pushing him back he got him on the ropes uh he was actually slipping and blocking uh when davis tried to counter punch and he was even counter punching davis is counter punching like that's how good leo is he, he's counter punching davis's counter punch with combinations like that's how good he is but um he complained about a low blow that davis did which davis did do a low blow but at the same time um, I did count at least like eight different times in the first five rounds with Leo. He threw low blows. 
And I was even calling them out as I was watching. I was like, oh, that's a low blow. Oh, like Leo, chill. Like that's another low blow. Um, but not saying that he was doing it on purpose. It's just uh, Davis is shorter and Leo got those long arms. So, you know, you come in, you're a little too close. You think you're going to go to the body, but you're a little too close and you go just slightly a little lower. You know, it it happens, right? It happens. So the ref comes. Uh, he gives him a little timeout. Santa Cruz being the warrior that he is, he's not going to use the, the entire five minutes. He used like 10, 15 seconds at most. Fight come back in, right? And I don't, I'm trying to remember how did it happen, right? Because I think the low blow happened because uh, I think Davis just started like pushing and shoving. Davis, he was pushing and shoving the entire fight, basically. At one point, he even threw Santa Cruz down like on the ground. So um, Davis, he, he was pushing and shoving Leo to the corner, which I'm fine with. He can do that. He has a right to do that. And then that's when the low blow happened, right? The ref separated them, gave him a little few seconds. So when they came back, when they came back, Leo, he stayed on the ropes. I think that was a mistake by him. He stayed on the ropes, and that allowed Davis to be in a position where he could knock you the fuck out, right? So he starts hooking off. Then Leo starts hooking off. Both of them are landing, but this time Davis, he's landing some clean shots because he's punching in between Leo's punches instead of trying to counter his punches. But that also was leaving him open to get hit as well. But like I said before, Leo didn't have the power to do anything to stop him. So when you're trading punches and you're Tink Davis, you're like, yes, I'm yes, I want this type of fight because I'm going to win. There isn't anyone at 130 or at 135, uh, probably besides a Tiafimo Lopez. That's debatable. But besides Lopez, there's no one at 130 or at 135 that can trade shots with Javante Davis and win the exchange. No matter who you are, you will lose every single time. I think Leo thought he could take... I don't know for a fact he thought he could take those punches because he was taking them pretty good for five rounds already. He was taking them. Yes, he was partially blocking them. So maybe that's why he thought he could take it. But when you partially block a punch, it's different. It's a different feeling when that punch in lens cleans right in your right in your fucking eye. It's it's a different feeling. He felt the power of God in Javante Davis' hands. He felt it. And I know I know his life flashed before his eyes. He he started thinking about his father. He started thinking about that car Frampton lost. He started thinking about his wife and his kids and that he started thinking about his childhood traumas and, and growing up in poverty, he started thinking about everything. I know he, I know for a fact he fucking did. And then you got Davis, who's probably thinking of all the bullshit that he's been doing, all the bullshit that he's went through and everything he's done for this point for the biggest fight of his career, and he's not going to throw it away. And both of them, they left it all on the table in just that split, like, 25 to 30 seconds. They left everything in that one round and they gave everything that they had. And when Leo threw, <laughs> when Leo threw that, that right, uh, 
I think it was like a right straight uh, he threw. And Javante Davis, he slipped to the left and came straight up with that uppercut. One, like before Leo even went down, I said that was the deciding punch of the fight. I didn't think it was going to knock him down like that, but I knew that punch had enough force and torque and horsepower that no matter who you are, that is going to make you change your game plan. Wasn't it Mike Tyson who said everyone has a plan until they get hit in the face? Everyone has a plan until they get hit in the face with a clean shot by a power puncher. And that one shot was the punch heard around America. Fuck it. It was the punch heard around the world. Motherfuckers in Mars heard and felt that punch. Them, them aliens who you don't even know, they was... Gut wrenching at that punch. They're like, ooh, that punch by Davis. They felt that fucking punch. Leo went down. He was out cold. He was on the ground for like five minutes. And it was it was shocking. It was really shocking. And luckily I didn't bet no money on this because I I I would have had to fight someone. But it was a fantastic fight. Davis I'm going to talk about Davis real quick, right? Like, no boxes, just like personal stuff, right? Because I like Dave, I love Davis as a fighter, and I love Leo Santa Cruz, and I know the the potential that Davis has, but him being with Brona, man, I thought he's going to be another Brona, but he proved me wrong. He proved me wrong with this fight. This was the defining fight for him to, to prove to the world that he is an elite fighter and will this win put him in the top 10 pound for pound no but he's the second best at 135 even though this fight wasn't really at 135 but he's the second best at 135 sorry Lomachenko love you though but after this fight I need to see Tank Davis versus Teofimo Lopez I need to see it it needs to happen February uh, 2021 or at least like March. I don't care if if Teofimo Lopez says he wants $50 million. I don't care if, if Tank Davis said he wants a billion dollars. I don't care. Make it happen. If you need me to, to max out my credit card and give you everything in my bank account for this fight to happen, I would do it. If you need me to, to sell everything that I own to make this fight happen, I will do it because I need this fight to happen. I really do. I want it to happen. I'm hungry. That That's the next big fight in boxing to happen. That's the next big one to happen. That That's on the top three list of the biggest fights to happen. There's three huge fights that I need to see that I need to see happen. Earl Spence versus Terrence Crawford. Tyson Frey versus Anthony Joshua. Now it's Teofimo Lopez versus Javante Davis. I need it to happen, and it better fucking happen too. I'm starting the campaign to get this fight to happen, uh, like next month. I'm starting. I'm starting early with it. I'm starting early with it. I'm gonna give my predictions. Uh, who's gonna win the fight? Probably in December, cause I'm campaigning for this fight hard now, and I hope you listeners will support it and join me because no one supported the top rank. 
uh, 300 million buys, but this one they're going to get behind. Uh, so what's next for Leo Santa Cruz after this this devastating loss? Um, I think this loss, it doesn't decrease his stock anymore. Yeah, it should. this fight should decrease his stock because, like I said, it's not like Davis outboxed him. Davis just had more power that was scoring more points. Uh, so Leo is still a dangerous man. Still, still one of the best at 130. And he, he could still just come back and just have a big win. I will say this loss, it probably messes up um, his next big fight, which I think he was going to have against Gary Russell Jr., which I really wanted to see that fight. I really wanted to see Leo Santa Cruz versus uh, Gary Russell Jr. because I love Gary Russell, and he needs to have a big fight of his own. Um, so, Leo, he could still fight some great fighters at, at 130. There's a lot of really great fighters at 130. He could still go and beat them. And I hope no one looks at this fight and thinks that Leo is is a slouch. And you could just come in and do what, what Davis did. Because Davis, he's a special fighter with special power. And you other 130 fighters, 130-pound fighters, y'all not take Davis. Y'all not going to come in here like Leo is some slouch because he just got knocked the fuck out and think y'all going to come in and just wail and beat him down. Leo, he's going to go back in the training camp. He's going to work harder than he's ever worked in his life. Harder. Yeah, I think that comeback fight he had against Carl Frampton, where he lost the first fight and, and came back for the rematch, you thought Leo then was dangerous? Nah, this next Leo and this next fight, I'm praying for anyone who fights him next. I'm praying for any for the poor soul who, who decides to fight Leo Santa Cruz next because he's going to come back bigger, stronger, and better than ever. And hopefully have some good footwork because his footwork was atrocious. And, oh my God, I kept saying during the fight, I kept saying, throw your combinations, then pivot to the left, just pivot to the left, just keep pivoting to the left. And he never pivoted one time. I, w- I kept saying, hey, he got you in the rows, like just, just grab him and turn him around. You know how Sean Porter... Um, Sean Porter, he grabs and turns pe- people around. I was just saying, grab him and turn him around. Just circle around him. Pivot to your left. Pivot, pivot, pivot. And he never did it. He never sidestepped. He never had any uh, lateral movements. And that was a big factor in him getting uh, knocked out because of his lack of head movement. But that wasn't the reason why he got knocked out. That was most of the reason why he couldn't escape getting off the ropes he kept trying to punch out of different situations uh, that Tank Davis was getting him in thanks Floyd Mayweather but sometimes you can't punch your way out, out of everything you gotta use your footwork and movement around the ring and uh, Davis he just he just doesn't have it he's used to being in people's faces uh, just being in the pocket and winning the exchanges and he was winning a lot of the exchanges in this fight but he couldn't sustain it. He couldn't sustain it for 12 rounds. And I want to talk about... Uh, it's the last thing I'm going to talk about before I, I end it. I think this episode is going a little too long. But I got a lot to talk about for this fight. I want to talk about Leo Santa Cruz and his his team's uh, strategy for this fight. 
If you watch the All Access episodes, and even if you listen to the training tracks of the fight, you can hear multiple times where Leo Santa Cruz is, uh, is that his brother and his father that's his trainer and his coach? Whoever is in his corner, they kept telling him, okay, just wear him out for the first few rounds, then wait till he gets tired, and then when he gets tired, that's when we're going to lay into him and get him out of there. I hate that game plan. I absolutely fucking hate that game plan because, one, if you wait till someone gets tired out, right? You wait till he gets tired out, but he still won more early rounds. There's no guarantee that you're going to win all six of the second half of the fight rounds. There's no guarantee. So that plan, it's not even that effective for you and win a unanimous decision on points. And on top of that, if you wait to wear someone down because you know they come strong and they come hot in the first six, six rounds, why don't you have a plan to just negate that? Why don't you just have a plan to stop what they're doing? Telling someone, wait till he gets tired is not a fucking game plan. That's not a game plan. That is a walk into the lion's den and hope you don't get fucking eaten. That's basically what it was. And Leo got fucking eaten. He got eaten. He tried his best. And I respect it. And I love that he did. He put on a great fucking performance and a great effort. But the game plan of wait till Davis gets tired is not a fucking game plan. It's not a fucking game plan. Like, you can't just say, yo, go wait in there until he gets tired. Because you don't even know if Davis, yeah, he got tired in his last fight. But you don't even know if if he increased his endurance and his conditioning. What if you thinking he could only uh, be strong for six rounds? What if he's strong for nine rounds this time? And then what? You're going to keep saying, oh, by like round nine, he's going to start getting tired. Then that's what we're going to lay it on him. But he's been fucking you up for the first eight fucking rounds. No, that's not a fucking game plan. And I hated that, that they had that game plan. It was a failing game plan. Obviously, it's a losing game plan. And it's a plan that everyone should just take it and throw it in the garbage. Take it and throw that bullshit in the fucking garbage. Because it's not going to work. It's never going to work. It's just not going to work. So moving forward, I don't ever want to hear anything about that. Well, so he gets tired and you will lay it on him. Because, like I said, it's not going to work. So stop it. So that's all for this episode. Um, I'm probably going to record... uh, Episode 25 of the next episode. Actually, right after I finish this one. You were just listening to the Floyd Podcast hosted by Marquise Rawls. Stay tuned for the next episode. Or go back and listen to the previous episodes if you haven't done so.